This is the Happy Rant Sports Podcast, in which Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by my good friend, Barnabas Piper. Uh, Pipe, I'm excited about this app, and I'm excited uh, primarily because we have uh, yet another great sponsor. And this, in the pantheon of all the sponsorships we've had in the history of this illustrious program, uh, this is probably the one that I'm most excited about. Uh, the name of the company is 503 Sports. Their website is 503-sports.com. And 503 caters to a very specific uh, niche, if you will, and that niche is defunct professional football leagues. So uh, if you want to get gear from the USFL, the World Football League, the World League of American Football, all the old American CFL teams, 503 Sports is your place. They have some uh, selected vintage baseball uh, material as well. And uh, Pipe, I've had a blast on this website, man, and I love my 503 Sports gear. Um, what, uh, what pieces of gear did you get? Um, well, the piece that I was most excited about, I got three. One uh-huh. of them is a, yeah, one of them is a, um, <clears throat> the, what is it? The, the European league football, the European football league, which, yep. which, whose name I'm now. World league. Yeah, yeah. World, world league. league. So just, just like the world league logo. And then a, um, and then I got a, another, I think it was a USFL team, the, the Memphis, and of course I'm blanking. Memphis showboats, man. River, Memphis yeah, showboats. Was it showboats? Showboats. Yep. That's right. I was going to say yep. riverboat gamblers, but that's yep. what it looks like. It has like a riverboat on there. Yeah. But the piece that I'm super excited about was the uh, the Portland Mavericks baseball Ooh. cap. Oh, nice. Is a, it is a. I think it's a defunct minor league team, but there was a really popular um, documentary on Netflix a few years ago called the. The battered bastards of baseball, dude. That was such a good doc, man. Such a good doc. And it was about this team, and it's you know it's a real it's a real clean like red front panel, white black panel, um, black brim, white M for Mavericks. Yeah, just looks super sharp, and it's a really high quality hat. So it's a fitted hat, which I'm a snob. I don't wear unfitted hats. Yep. I just I just can't bring myself to do it. I know you're a snapback guy. Yeah, I do some snapbacks, but I do some fitteds as well. It, all hats to me come down to fit. Like yeah. it's it's all a matter of like how it how it sits on your head. So um, if you got a if you got a good one, you go with it. So this is this is like the quality of gear that professional teams wear. You know, it's like the the wool blend hat, yep. the the raised uh, the raised embroidered lettering, really high quality. Seven and a quarter for me. I don't know what size hat you wear, but yep. uh, but it looks really good. Dude, you know you know how I feel about five hundred three sports, and this is just a little honesty. Like I love this company so much, I'm I'm low key pissed that I didn't come up with this idea myself. And I don't know, I don't know how one obtains the rights to all these old logos and and kind of jersey schemes. But uh, but man, what a great idea! And uh, I love having this gear. So I got a LA Express. Uh, snapback hat. I think the Express have one of the cleanest um, jersey and logo aesthetics in uh, in all of sports history. So I got a LA Express snapback. I got a Chicago Blitz USFL long sleeve tee. Long sleeve tees pipe are kind of like hats in that they are all about fit as well. And uh, yeah, I I can't order long sleeve tees because they have to be just right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm you know if you order it, 
and it's not just right, then you got to send it back, and it's such a hassle. So I'm I'm always reluctant to order the long sleeve tee. I love one that fits right, though. They're they're a perfect piece of apparel. Absolutely, I wore my Chicago Blitz long sleeve yesterday. Uh, it fits like a glove. It is wonderful. And uh, and my final piece is a Los Angeles Express uh, sewn jersey. So it's the home jersey, the blue, uh, with a little pop of red and the white uh, the white numbers. Uh, beautiful, beautiful jersey. I'm a jersey. Uh, collector, a jersey aficionado, and I uh, absolutely love this one from 503 Sports. So if you haven't done so, um, run to 503-sports.com, collect some uh, some old football gear, and uh, let us know what you think about it. Holler at us on Twitter, uh, send us pictures of the gear that you got, and we will repost. But uh, speaking of business, Piper, we have some business to, uh, to get into on today's podcast, um, not the least of which is the fact that uh, recruitment has been fast and furious for my fan loyalties as a baseball fan. So as we discussed on last week's pod, um, I was feeling a bit rudderless in the summer in terms of sports to care about. I need a baseball team to follow and care about, a team with some upside and some potential. And uh, as, as my recruiting coordinator, Piper, I want to know what, you've, uh, what have you unearthed? What have people been sending? Well, I would I would like to commend our listeners for the quality of the pitches that they have sent in for a couple different Ooh. reasons. One, there were no pitches for the Yankees, so okay, there they, we go. They, fo- they followed the rules um, and were nothing if not rule followers. And That's the right. Yankees suck, so there was that. And then and then they they know you, Ted. The things that they have put forward as That's reasons to follow these teams are the uh-huh. the exact kinds of things. That Ted would care about. Interesting, so, man. you know they're not they're not talking about best TV contracts or cool stadiums. They're talking right. about quality of the jerseys. Maybe yep. inspired by our last episode and the mustaches of former players. Huge and huge. recent successes, but like, but not championship success. More like, more like they're they're on the brink of success or they used to be an utter abject failure and now they're successful so they've, they've yep. climbed the mountain so they they speak to your heart here and i i would like to commend our listeners for getting this so let me just run through a few of these excellent um, man. you may have had some thoughts on your own yep. um yeah so you're so, the recruiter i'm the i'm like the marcus dupree figure of podcasting i'm a right. i'm a five-star recruit blue chip you are you are coming into my modest living room and trying to pitch me on your team. So, uh, so I, I would position myself as sort of the agent here. So, like, yeah. the, te- the teams are recruiting, and I'm the one who's bringing you their pitch. And so, I mm. may, I may put forth some some opinion here, but really, that's good. That's up, encouraged. Really, it's up to you. I love it. So we have we have a pitch for the Detroit Tigers from Kenneth. Okay. Uh, he says Ted should be a Detroit Tigers fan. Simple branding with the classic old English D. I I mm-hmm. agree. Real sharp logo. Yeah. Uh, he says they're going to suck for the next few years, so you can't be a bandwagon fan. I think that also speaks to you. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, terrible baseball teams are fun to watch because you get great personalities. Uh, I will throw in because he ran out of room on his tweet. Their manager now currently is the all-time active leader in getting ejected from games. Who, who is that? Ron Gardenhire, former Twins manager. Dude, fascinating. And that's a that's a strong part of the pitch. I've got to so, tell you. So here's and here's where Ron Gardenhire excels as a manager. Uh, a he is a scrappy, try hard guy. So he likes oh, teams that aren't that great. But mm-hmm. he can, so he can take a mediocre team to just above mediocre. He will not take a good team to great. Like he yep. just can't yep. do it. 
Um, and he's he looks like he thrives on a bass boat with a cooler of beer. Um, so this is this is the sales pitch for Detroit, dude. I'm look, right. I'm looking up Ron Gardenhire right now, and you're right. That is a that is a beautiful hat, a, a classic beautiful uniform. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a look at Ron Gard, Gardenhire. And oh my goodness, yes. So wow. here's and and here's another thing. Knowing the ethos of Ted, that like uh-huh. center cut Rust Belt in Middle America ethos like detroit has that their stadium has it it's a cool stadium uh the city has it you obviously have spent a lot of time in detroit doing uh the silver dome film so there's there's some there's that's a that's a strong pitch right out that's a real strong pitch man and i like the look of this garden hire this guy is like every old guy in my hometown you know what i mean florid if you met him you would feel like you already knew him Absolutely, man, and I would like it for sure. Okay, pipe. He, that's it. Oh, okay. So, at, yeah. so he was the manager of the Twins for like ten years. So I'm gonna, I'll give you a little Ron Gardenhire spiel here. Okay. Um, he loves to say things like the guy throws the fire out of the ball, Ooh. and they, you know, good cliches. And, yeah, yeah good just cliches. But, but like, but like old school baseball cliches. He yeah. he also is a he is a stickler for putting bad hitters at the uh-huh. beginning of his lineup because they run fast. Oh sure, um, which yep. is a classic like old school baseball strategy. Yep. So he, if you really care about you know the strategy of baseball, he'll probably drive you nuts. If sure. you love sort of the the uh, the environment of baseball, yeah, I'm an environment guy. I'm he's a lead actor, so I love it. I love it. This is strong. All right, then Lonnie Smith, which is interesting because there was a guy named Lonnie Smith who used to play for this team. Yeah. says, Ted clearly needs to be a Braves fan because, and he lists in order, number one, we have powder blue throwbacks, so that satisfies mm. his got to get swag need. Yeah. And, yeah, the Braves were part of that 80s strong powder blue, but they even went back further because um, uh, Hank Aaron used to play in some of those too. History, Absolutely. Now, his second point, Hank Aaron, Dale Murphy, et cetera. Mm. Chipper Jones, team, man. I like Chipper oh, yeah. Jones. Yeah. All, whose real name was Larry, which is fantastic. <laughs> That is fantastic. Uh, point number three, they're a really fun young team. Their second baseman's a guy who's about 5'6". His name is Ozzy Albies. Oh, I like and that, man. he's a tiny guy who can crush the ball, which is tons of fun. And then they have a really good outfielder named Ronald Acuna, um, and they have some good young pitchers. And then their manager, Brian Snitker, can Snitker. grow a fantastic mustache. So I'm looking S- him up right now. S-N-I-T-K-E-R, Brian Snitker. And yeah, he looks like somebody who played baseball in the 70s and 80s and just kept the facial hair. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of non Oh, okay. I see the mustache shot now. That is yeah. a that is a great 80s baseball mustache. So, I I mean, so from from a baseball, so Detroit has an ethos. Yep. Not a lot to root for their baseball-wise. From a yeah. baseball perspective, Atlanta has something to offer because they do have a history Mm-hmm. They uh, they're also one of the closest teams to where you currently live. No team they is are. that close. They are, um, and they have really good young talent who you can you can enjoy as they become stars. They're not stars yet. That's true, man. Here's so my issue with the Braves, man. And I'm just uh, I'm not saying this takes them out of the running. I'm just we're just having a dialogue. the The current uniform is a little blah, man. I mean, there's not a lot about. The hat, the jersey that the Braves are rocking currently that really, like, gets me off the couch. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't get me excited. So, yeah. um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not saying that's going to be a no-go, but I, I will say another thing for Snicker, man. It looks like on his manager's uniform, he wears the Cluck family number. So, he's a 43 guy. Um, 
that could factor in. So um, kudos to uh, to Brian Snick- Snicker for uh, wearing my number and having a great mustache. All right. So next next pitch, yeah. uh, Scott says that Ted should support the Seattle Mariners. They have the Ooh. classic. They have the classic idol in Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. Uh, their top two pitchers are from Venezuela and Canada. I I guess that's a, a strong point. <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> finally, they have these sweet alternative hats, which is the it's the trident turned upside down so that it is an M, and you can channel your '90s grunge days by supporting the city of Seattle. Dude, that that actually is huge, man. I'm a huge Seattle guy. I'm a huge Seattle music guy, uh, a huge grunge guy. Now I'll tell you, pipe the, I and I do love the upside down trident, man. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that, and that would be the swag that I would uh, that I would would roll with. But um, similar to the Braves, man, the current Mariners uniform, it's just like one of these one of these modern baseball uniforms, and that there's not a lot going on with it. You know what I mean? Um, it's yeah, just, ba- it, baseball is not strong for current. It's like, not. You, there, there are no uniforms that really stand out, with the exception of just some, some like like the Dodgers because they're classic. The Yankees are classic. The Red Sox are relatively classic. But baseball is a pretty, it's a pretty milk toast uniform league. Yeah, it really is. It really is. But uh, Piper, anything else on Seattle? Because I'm, I'm, I'm liking the whole ethos of the city. I'll tell you what, I like the history. Um, I like Ken Griffey Jr., and I like the fact that they used to play in the Kingdome, which is where my man Brian Bosworth played. So um, there's a good multi-use stadium history um, in in their past as a program. So no, no nothing else in this pitch. Uh, I will say, having visited uh, their their current Safeco Field, it is a lovely place to watch a game. Okay. Almost, uh, I'm going to offend some satellites here. I think it's slightly overrated. Because um, ah, it's a retractable roof stadium, which makes sense because it rains a lot in the Pacific Northwest. But re- you, a retractable roof stadium is inherently uh, inferior to just an open air stadium. It just is. Yeah. No, so I feel you. I feel you on that. That's sure. that's a little bit of a strike against them. Um, yep. Although if it is the best retractable roof stadium of any that I have ever seen. So it's got that going for it. Let me ask you this, man. How how are the Mariners right now? Are they any good? They're they're actually very competitive this year. They're but they're they're not they haven't been great. They've been sort of every year has been maybe this is the year for like the last five or six. Um, you know, their their manager or their mm-hmm. general manager makes more trades than anybody else in baseball. Ooh, interesting. See, I like and that. So, That's entertaining for me. So man. he's trades he's a wheeler and a dealer. He's constantly he's constantly playing with the the uh, the roster. Mm-hmm. And so I think they're about ten games over five hundred right now. Okay. And I don't know if they lead their division, but if not, they they have one of the wild card spots. So they're a playoff team right now. Interesting. And and. And they're a likable team. Like, they're not sure. a team with some of these, you know, you, you look at the Yankees from the history and you're like, oh, they bought their they yeah. bought their title or whatever. Like, Seattle has cobbled it together with kind of s- some surprise trades, some good young players. Their best pitcher right now is a 6'6 lefty named, from Canada named James mm-hmm. Paxton who throws like 97 with a wipeout slider and Ooh. he's fun to watch. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, they're... They're they're a surprisingly fun team with surprisingly little star power. Interesting, man. Interesting. You know, this this is strong, Piper. This is strong. I'm not gonna lie. So yeah, I mean, I told you the the listeners 
they they came strong with this, and we've still got a handful of good pitches left to go. I don't know if they're quite as strong, but there's some good ones here. So yeah, I'm impressed with these listeners, man. I tell you, they really put they put their heart and souls into this, and um, and that's what I'm looking for. So uh, so kudos to them. Yeah. Um, what else do we have, Pipe? What, right, what else is on the ne- next? Trevor says the Ted. The Milwaukee Brewers family would welcome you with open arms. And I can tell you, mm. Milwaukee Brewers fans would likely welcome anyone with open arms because they <laughs> live with beer goggles on. Yeah, um, which, which is, you know, at, at the, yeah, at risk of, you know, employer-related issues. Like, I don't, I don't dislike that. I you don't know, judge that. I don't well, judge that. And, I don't judge and, it. And in the world of baseball fandom, I mean, they're... Their stadium is Miller Park, so it is named yep. after a significant brewery. And like <laughs> b- beer is infused into the culture. It's of part of the both, culture. Both Milwaukee and the Brewers. I mean, Bernie Brewer is their is their uh, their their mascot. Yeah. And he's a he's a fat mustachioed guy who goes down a slide when they hit homers. And I think I think at one end of the slide or the other is a beer barrel or a yeah. So yeah. yeah, there's lots of there's lots of kegging in their in their ethos. But he says yeah. they're a young up and coming team with guys named Christian and well he, he he didn't sound it out. It looks like Jesus. I'm pretty sure it's Jesus yeah. on the squad. The you retro know, let's logo, call it Jesus. Let's yeah. call it Jesus. So they've got Christian and Jesus on the squad. The retro logo can't be beat. It is pretty strong. You know, it's the it's yeah. the M that's also a mitt. Dude, that's uh, so strong. A, that's a uniform got, I've always liked. And it's sure. got the hidden B in it that yeah. is the it's pretty strong. They've never won a World Series, and I think yep. they've only appeared in one or two. Um, but with you cheering on, they just might. Also, he shared a video of members of their team redoing the uh, the insult scene from the Sandlot. So they oh, did a wow. they did a video of that, and it was it was pretty strong. So that's uh, impressive. I, this was one of the first ones that came in, and. I thought that uh, Trevor's pitch set the bar, and now other people I think have met the bar. But I was like, "Oh, this is this is going to work because yeah. they there's so there's a lot going on there that's really good." Yeah, absolutely, man. That's very very strong. There's a there's a nice like retro appeal to the Brewers for me. Like I, I just remember growing up, I liked some of their players. I liked their uniform. Um, they had a nice powder blue situation, if I'm not mistaken. So. They've also um, had pinstripes over the years, and I think pinstripes yeah. are an underrated baseball uh, uniform. I, I don't agree. think they do it anymore, but they did in, in, in a retro uniform version. And man, that old Brewers hat is tough to beat. You yeah, know, that's that's a, that's a that's a piece of swag that I could see myself in, you know, for sure. Um, interesting pipe. Anything else? Do we have any other yeah, any other we've recruitment? Got, we've got two more. Okay, let's let's um, hear them. All right. So have you seen the classic picture of Nolan Ryan beating the bejesus out of Robin Ventura? I have indeed seen that. Okay. Yeah, that's so, a good picture. So Danny shared that and said, this image is enough to win cluck. Ooh. So he's he's pitching you for the Texas Rangers. Sure. He says the colors are great. They've never won the World Series. So not a bandwagon team. Although they, they have been competitive over the last several years. Yep. Iffy the last couple. Yep. Um, he says they're not morbidly bad, although they're in a bit of a slump, with young, but they're a young team with promise. But yeah. really, he's just using imagery to try to sucker you in. And, yep. I mean, to be fair, strong imagery. That's, yeah. a, that's one of my favorite all-time sports pictures. Because 44-year-old Nolan Ryan taking 23-year-old Robin Ventura behind the woodshed is a classic. Dude, the, the fact that Nolan Ryan played at a high level at 44 and beyond is just amazing. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a reason to like this team. Now, question, Piper, follow-up question. Does George W. Bush still own a piece of the Texas Rangers? 
Uh, he does not. Okay. Uh, however, another listener, and I have set aside that tweet, jumped on the Rangers uh, sales pitch, and he listed that as one of the things, also mentioning that their former owner, who is a former president, mm-hmm. threw out a perfect first pitch, first pitch strike right after 9-11. So, yeah. Yep. I mean, he's pulling out. He's got patriotism. He's got politics. He's got our owner has more skills than your owner does. I mean, there's, there was a lot, again, that 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 was a, a fairly sound addition to the pitch. Uh, that's a very solid addition. These have all been strong, Piper. I'm going to really, uh, I'm going to agonize over these for sure. All right, we've got one more for you to consider. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, from Scott. And I okay. think a couple other listeners jumped on this one as well. It says, yeah. Ted, consider the Royals. Classic oh. uniforms. They're easygoing and friendly Midwestern fans. For the most part, that's true. Pretty pretty friendly and knowledgeable. It's not far from Tennessee. I don't know if that matters to you. Yeah. Uh, recent success, including uh, one World Series title, but they've had to sell off a bunch of their parts, so it's not really a bandwagon. They're not a dynasty. It was much more of an upstart title. Yeah. Um, a proven GM who's rebuilt them once and is now trying to do it again, mm-hmm. um, so they're likely to win again. And uh, also cheaper tickets than most. So they would welcome you. Um, and I can say, for whatever reason, when I moved to Tennessee, I moved into uh, the circles of multiple Royals fans. I didn't really know any prior. Tell me they're, about those fans. Bro. They're very passionate fans. They love okay. the Royals. But they're, they're, they're good passionate. Yeah. You know, in the sense of like, like Bears fans are the worst and I don't like them. Uh-huh. Um, Royals fans are just upbeat. They're positive. Yeah. They're hopeful. Um, granted this was the Royals most successful stretch, but they just, but even when the things went bad after the world series and they had to start losing players or trading players, they've just maintained positivity and they love the, the fan, you know, they, they love the team and they love to go out to the games and they, so there's, um, the, the fan, the fan ethos of the Royals is a largely positive thing. I will say they seem like decent people, don't they? Don't they just seem like good, like salt-of-the-earth decent people? Yes, which cannot yeah. be said for a lot of other teams. Like, if you think about, like, the Giants. Yeah. Like, the Giants are a team whose fans are known for, like, beating up people in the parking lot. Yeah, And absolutely. White Sox fans, like, attack first base coaches. And, right. And, I mean, I've had my life threatened at the White Sox games more than once. Yeah, I've been to um, a lot of White Sox games. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that's not a, that's not like a friendly fan base. Let's just say Nolan Ryan was uh, justified in beating up a White Sox player. Um, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, but but I, I would be stunned if one of those things happened at the Royals game. See, the Royals are the kind of place where, like, if a fan started a fight, you'd expect six other fans to break up the fight. Exactly. That's, that's sort of the ethos there, and like. Milwaukee's not like that. You're not going to see a lot of fights start, but it it's going to probably turn into like three punches thrown, and then we're all singing "Roll Out the Barrel" together. And dude, in six right? Minutes. We're having a, we're having a brew afterwards, and we're talking it out like gentlemen. You know? So yeah, I mean that's also friendly, but maybe like call it sloppy friendly instead of like neighborly yeah. friendly. Kansas City people feel neighborly. Absolutely, I, I like that. I like that for sure. Well, Pipe, this has been. Man, this has been illuminating, and, and I'll tell you what I'm going to do if you're okay with it. I'm going to sit on this and think about it and pray about it until the end of the episode, Ooh, uh, at, right. at which point I make my announcement. So um, I, I will let the people know where I will be taking my talents um, for the rest of my life as a baseball fan. So you've given me a lot to think about here, and um, man, it's going to it's gonna be hard to make cuts, but, uh, but I'll talk that out at the end of the app, but... 
Piper, we have other issues to discuss, uh, including something that, uh, that, that I'm a little salty about, to be honest. Um, I have a strong dislike for this year's NBA Finals. Which uh, was also last year's and the year before's yeah. and the year before that. I, I feel nothing for this NBA Finals um, besides, like, w- when I knew it happened, i.e. when uh, when Golden State won the other night, um, I was initially angry, but now I feel nothing, and and I don't want to feel nothing. You know what I mean? I want there to be some modicum of moving the needle of excitement uh, on this NBA Finals. And I actually wrote about this. The, the column hasn't run yet, but I wrote a column called, It's Hard to Imagine Anything More Boring Than This NBA Finals. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> That that follows the uh, that follows the don't make me think motif in the titling. I like it. It's very clear. Yeah, it's so boring. Like it's so so boring. And I wrote in the column that like I feel like LeBron James could score every basket in every game of this finals and then steal the game ball and like fly out of the middle of the arena and that wouldn't it wouldn't make him any more or less interesting. I have no interest in the LeBron Jordan argument anymore. Um, I have no interest in seeing faux humble Steph Curry and his adorable family anymore. Um, I, I have even no interest in hating Draymond Green anymore. Like the whole thing is so completely boring to me. I want to hear your thoughts on it. Well, and then I want to, this, yeah. this finals rendition is exactly like star Wars. Yes. In that it is full of amazing characters and there were, there have been fantastic storylines yeah. And and just it, you know, epic heroes and villains, everything you just mentioned, uh, yeah. even some cute characters. Um, but when you start doing the same thing over and over again, it doesn't matter how good it is; it just gets old. Like, yeah, I don't want to see the new Star Wars movie very much. The whatever it is, Solo. Yeah, uh, this is the Solo of NBA Finals. It's just kind of like great. I mean, if this had yeah. come out ten years ago, I would have been super interested. I don't care right now. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and and I've got I've got another analogy to make. This to me is like Marvel movies, in that same same sort of arc. Initially, they were very exciting, and people are like, "Oh, they're making these comic book adaptations, and they're awesome." And now they come out with a new one every three and a half weeks, and they're all sort of the same shade of boring. You know what I mean? They're 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 just boring, and it's a function of having seen the same thing over and over again and having seen the same thing um, in greater frequency. Yeah, I was so to, to follow that analogy, which yeah. I, I like Marvel movies more than you do. I think, sure, sure. Um, I, but when, when um, Cleveland came back from three, one, what was that? Two finals ago, two finals yeah. ago, that was like the black Panther of these finals where it was like, there was a repeat. We kind of saw this coming. We're like, LeBron's always coming out of the East. Yeah. Golden State's going to keep coming out of the West. But that one was like, it kind of turned the tables because you're like, well, that was unexpected. Just kind of like the Black Panther was, well, that was unexpected because it was not the same shade of boring. Yeah. But then we've had, you know, now we're doing it again and again. And yeah, and we've kind of, we've reached the, you know. Saturation it, point. With yeah, it, I mean, know? like even Tony Stark's not that funny anymore. Dude, so true. Yeah, Tony Stark's not that clever anymore. I'll, I'll give you two things, Piper, um, that I think are are somewhat interesting about this finals, and it's not going to make me watch or care about it. But I think the, <laughs> in in plumbing the depths of this finals, 
Um, one is the fact that Tyron Liu, if I mean, if the planets align and the Cavs are able to win this finals, which is not likely, but if they are, Tyron Liu will have four NBA titles, a couple as a player and a couple as a coach, which is just astonishing. And it might make him the most like right place, right time guy in the history of sports. You know what I mean? Um, because no one's like no one's sitting back and going, man, that Teron Lou is just an amazing coach. In the same way that no one, <laughs> no one sort of like sat there with a slack jaw and went, man, Teron Lou, what a player. You know what I mean? And, and nothing against the guy, but it's just it's amazing to think that after this he could have four titles. Um, so that to me is I mean, moderately like even, interesting. Even guys who are who are in that same boat, like Robert Ory or, yeah. like, or now Steve Kerr, who is yeah, you know, who's a very but like. Lou wasn't exceptional at anything as a player. He was no Robert Ory was a, Ory was a good player. Yeah. Like he was a, he was a really high end NBA player. And, and I think he's also he was also a little bit ahead of his time because if he had played now he would have been even better because people love six foot ten athletic guys who can shoot threes. Back then he was kind of an anomaly. Oh dude, um, yeah, he would have been a he would have been a key uh, like a huge piece now. You and know. S- Steve Kerr by percentages is one of the best shooters in NBA history. Yeah. And has proven himself to be an exceptional coach. Yeah. Whereas Lou is, he's just, he has perpetually been the recipient of the best players in the NBA. Because he played alongside Shaq and Kobe. Um, he played, or now he coaches LeBron. Like, he's just, he's absolutely right place, right time. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing, actually. And I actually have another Steve Kerr thing about this finals. And I want to know if this, like, moves the needle for you at all. Um, It's Steve Kerr's steadily increasing level of smugness. I think he is is about to coach and smug himself onto the, like, Mount Rushmore of coaching smugness, um, which already has Greg Popovich and Bill Belichick on it. Um, and this is but, a function but, of, a, but the but the uh, the trophy that is handed to Smug Coach of the Year is called the Phil Jackson Trophy. That's true. Yeah, Phil Phil is on there. The Zen Master is on this. The Smug Coach's Mount Rushmore as well. So here, here's what it's a function of to me: um, a, the Warriors' success. All right, so they they have had enough success for for now. Steve Kerr to be smug. B, the fact that Kerr is he's in that interesting like age category in that he had kind of a young boyish look at the beginning, but now he's sort of before our eyes becoming old and grizzled. Um, it's sort of like a president being in office for two terms. Yes. And yeah, Steve Kerr is, is, is his lot, his face is a little bit more aligned and craggy now. He is he's, the Barack Obama of coaches. He is dude. He's the Barack Obama of coaches in that he was, yeah, he was boyish and kind of playful. There was a bounce in his step early on. And now he's just like totally comfortable being a, a a, a jerk to like side re- sideline reporters. He's weighing in on like NFL stuff in a smug way. Although his my favorite thing about Steve Kerr is his just shoot from the hip and just gun everybody down takes on all things politics. That's true. Which makes it's, him a smug old guy, though. That's which, a smug which, old guy thing. Exactly, because Popovich does the exact same thing. Like, those yeah. two, honestly, if those two uh, ran as a ticket, I don't know, I'm assuming they're Democrats, <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, if they yeah. ran as a ticket, they would they would destroy the opponents in the next presidential election. Dude, bare minimum, they need a show, right? They need a, they need a talk show. Um, but yeah, I, w- I would rather see them run on a on the same ticket. That would be amazing. 
uh, Pop as the president, Kerr as the uh, as the young younger up and coming vice president. I would uh, I, w- I would be interested in that for sure. So besides Teron Lou's kind of right place, right time, and Steve Kerr's smugness, there's there's absolutely nothing interesting about this. In contrast to what could have been, you know, we could have had a finals with Brad Stevens in it. Um, we could have had a finals with. You know, the Rockets kind of uh, smorgasbord of, of interesting players and stars. It would have been so much better. But um, alas, we have uh, we have Cavs Warriors for the 77th straight year. Um, Here's the, here, so I'm not going to play devil's advocate here because I also will have a very hard time bringing myself to watching any of these games in full. Especially yeah. because I just expect Golden State to just trounce them. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I mean, Cleveland is just a bad team, sure. and they're not the right kind of bad team to give Golden State trouble. I don't think. Granted, yeah. they did it a couple years ago, but th- here's if I'm able to take a couple steps back and look at this as a historical sports fan. Yeah, there is something fascinating about this. Okay, because it's never happened in NBA history. I don't think. Okay, um, you know these. First of all, LeBron being somebody who has gone to the finals. Now, I think this is his ninth. No, eighth straight year, ninth total, something like that. Um, the same teams four four times in a row. The There's just, you know, if you think back on, like, the Bill Walton nearest Celtics and the, the Larry Magic matchups. I mean, yeah. isn't this essentially the 80s? Where it was like, oh, here come the Celtics and the Lakers again, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. it... it that's now, except yeah. that it's Cavs Warriors. The difference is that we have so much coverage now that we're just we're sick of these guys by like January first, and then we have another six months until the finals start. Like they don't even start until June. It's absurd. Yeah. So, dude, the finals but, start in June. They get over in like August, and then the next season starts like four days later. Yeah, and you then know, it's, you know, yeah, exactly. And then it's free agency, which is. You know, yeah. arguably the most fun part of the NBA season. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's bonkers how how stretched out it is. But I think I think ten years from now, fifteen mm-hmm. years from now, we're gonna look back and think. I mean, did we begrudge Jordan's greatness when he was like, "Well, the Bulls are going to the finals, and yeah. then who are they gonna play from the West? Like, who's the challenger?" Because that's kind of what Golden State is. Yeah, it's like, well, they're gonna keep yeah. going for the next few years who's going to challenge them right but historically now like that's the argument is you know that was one of the greatest teams ever and so i i think historically it's pretty fantastic living through it is uh less so yeah no i know man and it's i I think you hit the nail on the head you know there wasn't the oversaturation in the 80s so it was still exciting to see you know magic and and larry and, and those teams battle it out year after year and they had some they had some distinct personalities that made them interesting like and maybe it's my age talking here piper there's nothing interesting to me about lebron james besides his freakish athleticism well he i mean that's so here's what's interesting about lebron james and we're going to go like layers below layers yeah okay what's interesting about lebron james is that he has been the best player in the nba for 15 years yeah no you're right and he's still not interesting yeah, that's, that, that's so true because that's this the, is this is yeah. the world of social media, of dirty laundry being aired, of people saying something, of accidentally tweeting something, of having their account hacked, of whatever. And he he has remained 
utterly uninteresting with the exception of one <laughs> bad decision in how he announced leaving for Miami. Yeah. The most interesting thing about him is how not interesting he's been. It's fascinating. It's an it uh, is a skill set. It's how he it's how he yeah. will be he's not gonna be hated when he retires. Yeah. Yeah. It's how he has built an empire financially. Yeah. Genius. Yeah. The man the man is a genius. He has surrounded himself, but he's also surrounded himself with people who haven't completely blown up in his face too. And nobody else has pulled this off. Yeah. Jordan was the last one who got close, but that like Jordan was an awful person whose stuff stayed out of the limelight because there wasn't Instagram and Snapchat and everything else. Yeah. So I I think LeBron yeah, I think LeBron is fascinating, but he's much more like he's going to be fascinating when Roland Lazenby writes a biography about him in 20 years. Yeah. Not fascinating right now. Correct. Yeah, there's nothing fascinating about him now. Um, yeah, that's that's really good analysis pipe. And and I think you're spot on, you know. Um, and it has benefited LeBron to a degree from a from a business empire standpoint. But but yeah, from a fan affection, from a a cultural affection standpoint, I think it's it's held him back. And um, you know, it is what it is. Maybe he just doesn't have it in him to be that guy. But uh, nevertheless, uh, I am more interested about by Johnny Manziel's CFL debut than I am with anything related to the NBA Finals. But pipe I, speaking, go I, ahead. You, you just said a phrase, you just said a name that I yeah. can't ever pass by a comment on, and that's Johnny Manziel. Dude, go ahead. And Let's talk we, Manziel. We could do a whole episode on this, to be honest. Well, I, yeah, that might be overkill. But So we have yeah. a listener, again, super astute listener, knows us, knows yeah. what we do, what we're about. Knows what we sent like. Us, sent us the link to Johnny Manziel, and he said, you know, basically just, this is for you guys. I know how much you love this, especially yeah. Ted because of his love of alternative football leagues. Sure. Um, and I think maybe we should start working a segment into the show called the Manziel moment. Oh, uh, um, I would love it. Where I mean. we just, we just make a comment on something that he has said or done or like a passage thrown. Or, I don't know. I yeah. mean, I think, I think this week it is simply Manziel has signed in the CFL and yeah. will be playing there. Like that's our Manziel moment. That's a big deal because we want to see him succeed. It is a huge deal. And I, I can tell you this, I watched every minute of every spring league game that he played. Um, and I, I will be watching him with interest as a Hamilton Tiger Cat. I think it's a perfect marriage in that uh, Hamilton's head coach is June Jones. He was one of the early adopters of the run and shoot, going all the way back, by the way, to the Portland State days. So yeah, this he is coached another, to Hawaii for a while, didn't he? Coached to Hawaii, coached to Portland State. This is, a, this is another tip of the cap to uh, – a tip of the retro cap to 503-sports.com because they have a lot of uh, – old Portland State gear yeah. on their uh, on their website. But June Jones, run and shoot principles, Johnny Manziel skill set. I think it's going to be a, a football marriage made in heaven, and and I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, uh, my, my knowledge of June Jones extends only a little bit. It was when he coached at Hawaii, and Timmy Chang was their quarterback. Dude, Timmy Chang was great. Well, he, he put up, like, video game numbers before yeah. college kind of moved that way. So you're talking, like, 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. And I just remember going into the NFL draft after he finished, you know, after he finished up his time in Hawaii, and going, why, why isn't he a prospect? Because yeah. I didn't understand at that point like systems and how the system created Absolutely. the quarterback. And uh, and I'm like, the the man has broken every single passing record. Yeah, yeah, you know? that's right. And he, I think he probably got signed as an undrafted free agent by somebody and washed out of the NFL after you know one one training camp. But June Jones creates that. 
Absolutely. And, and honestly, June Jones, Mouse Davis, these, you know, these early practitioners of the run and shoot, um, much of what you see today in terms of, especially the air raid kind of Mike Leach principles, um, a lot of that owes itself to, uh, to the early run and shoot. So a little football history lesson there, Piper, via our Manziel moments. So see, we mentioned Johnny Manziel and all kinds of fascinating learning possibilities open up for the listeners. So, uh, I- I kind of like that he's a tiger cat as well. I don't know what a tiger cat is, or a yeah. that, but like it, that seems redundant to me. Like yeah. tigers, tigers are cats. Tiger that's, cat, uh, exactly. Go Canadians. Yeah, that's like that's like pit bull dogs, you know, or, yeah, exactly. or whatever. A retriever um, dog. Retriever dog. Piper, do yourself a favor though, and this, this is all kidding aside, and this is again another nod to five hundred three sports dot com. But um, do yourself a favor and look at all of the CFL uniforms. And tell me if that's not top to bottom a great collection of, of sports uniforms. The color schemes in the CFL, uh, the way the uniforms are put together, it's just a pleasant league to watch. Uh, I will be watching lots of CFL because I'm a fan of the league uh, here in June and July, especially before the NFL starts. But um, it's just a good-looking league, man. The leagues look good. Or the games look good on TV. The uniforms look good. And uh, it's a pleasant league to watch. But, Piper, we have time for one more quick topic. And I want to stay in the football space because uh, the NFL managed to, um, I think as Mina Kimes put it, I think this is Mina Kimes. She said, if there's a rake on the ground, the NFL will step on it. Right? So, <laughs> Which is, yeah, that it was her. And it was it was one of those tweets that was so good, I wish I had written it. it was oh, for sure, man. Yeah, it's one of those things that's so clever and so perfect for the situation. You just wish that it was yours. But... Um, the NFL manages to step on another public relations rake yet again um, with this new piece of national anthem policy, which says, and I don't want to get this wrong, um, all the players have to stand for the national anthem or they can stay in the clubhouse. Is that yeah, right? If, they can stay if, in the locker yeah, room. Yeah, if they are on the field, they must stand. It, they do have the option to stay back in the locker room or in the tunnel. Yeah, yeah. So what's interesting about this is that you know, per now, per today, per social media, this set off just a whole rash of people yelling and screaming on either side, which is just standard. But I, I got to be honest with you, man. And I wrote about this, too. And it's a column that I honestly don't know if I'm going to submit this because the issue is so nuanced in the the readership, at least where I am. I, I don't know if I don't know if they're going to be able to read a column like this and understand what I'm getting at. But like, I don't have. I don't have yelling and screaming to do about this because for me, Piper, and I want to hear you speak into this. um, So I I coach at a black college and some of our players kneel, probably a third of our players kneel. um, A third of our players stand for the national anthem and the other third just walk around and hug their families and get a drink of water or whatever. So that's kind of how it looks. But, but for me, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, zero times, have I looked at any of our kneeling players and gone, oh my gosh, I'm so threatened. You know, he's <laughs> thumbing his nose at everything that I hold dear as an American. And to be clear, you're a 40-ish white guy who is the one who is always the most threatened by such things. Dude, right. And the reason that I'm not threatened is that I know these kids and that I know they're good kids. Even the bad ones are good kids. You know what I mean? It's because yeah. we know each other and we love each other. And I can tell you this too. Zero percent of the time have they looked at me standing and gone, wow, Coach Ted hates social justice. You know what I mean? Because they they know I'm not a guy who hates social justice or they're just giving me the benefit of the doubt because we're friends. So 
I, I think a huge part of this, I can't separate myself from knowing the guys and not being threatened by that. Um, what, what are your thoughts on this pipe, particularly from a PR standpoint for the league? Um, where are you at with this? I, mean, I don't know whatever the opposite of PR is, but that's what this is. This is <clears throat> because here's the thing about the, the, the standing for the flag <clears throat> hubbub uh-huh. was going to die down. It was, yeah, it was. I mean, it are, the, the only thing that kept it going was the NFL owners insistence on sticking their feet in their mouths repeatedly. So you've <laughs> got, you've got dumb Bob McNair down in Houston calling, yeah. calling them inmates. Yeah. Bob McNair is um, unbelievable. I mean, he's just, he's exactly what you'd expect out of a Houstonian billionaire, but yeah. uh, a whitest Houstonian billionaire. Let me specify. Um, but it just, NFL players were taking proactive steps to to have productive conversations with the league about about um, social justice, about policies, about PR, about all these things. So Malcolm Jenkins and um, who are some of the other guys who were involved in that? Um, Chris Long was involved. In Chris, it. Chris Long has been very involved. Yeah. So there's there's just a there's a bunch of players who have who have it's sort of been a coalition trying to essentially coordinate with the league office on how to do this well. Yeah. Um, and and the number of players who was kneeling was diminishing. It would stop being the story before every game. Yeah. Um, and then the league is like, you know what? We're not happy enough with the fact that this seems to be finding a level and there are productive steps being taken. Uh, let's let's throw some gasoline on that fire. Yeah, it's I know. Just it's just asinine. I don't get it. And, I mean, I... And, and this is aside from the argument of I think their policy is stupid. Yeah, that's yeah, an opinion sure. um, based on I think people have the right to protest in a peaceful way. Yeah. Let's set that aside completely and just say is this good for the league and the way to handle it? That's stupid. Yeah, <laughs> it just I just uh, it, because now they've just created another story and they've created exhaustion because right. I love the game of football. I love watching the game of football. I love watching the NFL football because it's the best football played in the world. Yeah. And now I have to figure out how to navigate to the football game around all of this crap. Yeah. And I'm like, you just, you basically just had your dog take 72 dumps in my front yard and I have to figure out how to get to my front door. That's what I feel like right now. Like, instead of just saying, I'll clean up behind him or just let it, like, he's just not going to go there. No, we're going to create a mess for our fans to wade through. And I think, I think it's going to hurt the league long, long term. I mean, their, their ratings have been down and there's a lot of reasons for that, but I I think this is just contributing to that. Dude, here's where I think the NFL is missing the boat from a PR standpoint. I mean, I think they could really benefit from the fact that I, Personally, I'm in, I'm really encouraged by the fact that all of these guys seem to have a life of the mind to go along with their life of the body. And maybe yeah. that's just the college professor in me talking, but like the fact that these guys have been for the most part like really eloquent about, you know, what what their thoughts are regarding all these issues. Um, you know, I think that's a that's a positive for the NFL and it's interesting to hear from these guys in a context that's more than just, you know, um a cliche rattled off at the end of a football game, you know? So the fact that these guys are thoughtful, are eloquent, um, you know, I think this is energy that the league could, I hate to say capitalize because that sounds, 
you know, uh, capitalistic. I don't know. It just sounds. Think, think about like if, if Adam Silver, commissioner of the NBA, was yeah. commissioner of the NFL, somebody like um, like a Malcolm Jenkins or a Chris Long or a Colin, yeah. even Colin Kaepernick, who has been sure. even a little bit more antagonistically. Or I shouldn't say that. he's not antagonistic. He's just been more sort of steadfastly sure, um, sure. protesting. Yeah. Those guys would have been positioned as societal heroes. Yeah. Because yep. the NBA takes their players and says, you're eloquent, you're, you, you have something meaningful to say. Yes, it's controversial, but we want to, we want to uh, recognize and affirm your platform as a, a societal influencer, as a famous person. Yeah. And the NFL just – the NFL acts like rich white people squashing things that they don't like. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's fitting because they're all rich white people. But yeah, it, it's I just think just, they're missing a huge opportunity. Yes, you know, it's a huge chance to let increasingly younger fan bases know your players in a way that will engender, you know, warm feelings and and caring about them. And you know, the fact that I know, well, like Chris Long's a great example. I mean, he's a player that I didn't really feel anything for one way or the other for a long time just because he was a guy who got six sacks every year, you know. Um, but the fact that he's now uh, just talking more, um, it, it creates more interest in, in him as a, as a player, as a thinker, kind of wondering what's he going to do after his career. Um, you know, well, all taking these... action. He donated his entire salary last year to, I, I think it was for... Uh... For, to scholarship and because uh, he grew up in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia, where there was yeah. the white supremacy march. And so I think he donated his entire salary to education there with the purpose of essentially educating people out of that sort of ignorance. Right. And say what you want about these guys, man. When they're putting their own dollars up for it, that's pretty cool. You yeah. know, that's, that's really, really cool. And, um, yeah, the NFL's like – Continued bungling of these things in public is a is just a pretty fascinating. Uh, it's it's a fascinating storyline, and you're right. I don't think ultimately it's going to make a huge dent in the NFL's market share. But um, I, I tell you, as a as an aficionado of all things USFL, and this brings us back around to, to five hundred three sports. I think if the USFL existed now in the way that it existed in years like one to one and a half of its existence. I think it could do some major damage. Like a league that just went the other way from a PR standpoint, but also had some stars um, and some sizzle, I, I think could do real damage. So yeah, um, I, I think in the NFL, the critical mass of dollars is so great that no other football league can escape can, can escape that orbit because there's the, the television contracts are in the billions and trillions of dollars. The teams are worth billions of dollars. The owners are worth billions of dollars. And, and that means that the money for the players all exists there. So if you're a highly skilled football player who wants to maximize your earnings in what is likely a short career, you only have one option. That's right. Yeah. And so, right. and so you, it, it, it breeds a sort of subservience to the system. And I don't mean that in a, yeah, no, I don't. I, know. I don't mean that in like a slavery way, but just like yeah, this yeah. is this is your option. It's just it's the difference right. between making independent films, yeah. and and being part of you know Paramount Pictures. Like yeah. one of those is where all the money is, and if you're yeah. highly skilled and recognized, you you can make money there, but not independently, really. Exactly, exactly. 
Well, Piper, you know who does have choices as a as the ultimate free agent? Uh, I do. And I've been presented with some tantalizing baseball choices this afternoon. <laughs> Quite tantalizing. And, yeah, as we've as we've been talking and considering uh, these other issues, I have been uh, doing the same with my, with my baseball team um, selections. And I have to tell you, I've whittled the list down a little bit. So, um, and the, these have been hard. So I'm going to talk you through some of the cuts that I've made um, first. So. In spite of Ron Gardenhire, who I have no doubt that I would love spending time with personally, I could see myself on a bass boat with Ron Gardenhire, uh, like tomorrow. That would be easy. Um, I'm going to have to let the Detroit Tigers go because I lived in that metro area for about 15 years. I enjoyed it, went to the ballpark a lot, um, but I'm just looking for a little something new. You know, I'm looking for I'm looking for something new. So I've let the Tigers go. Um, the Atlanta Braves. Uh, I do like the proximity. I like the closeness to the metro area that I'm in now. But there was some oversaturation with the Braves in TBS when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, There were a lot of bandwagon Braves fans. The hat never did anything for me. Um, I do love Dale Murphy and the retro powder blues. It's hard to to say goodbye to that. But I'm going to go ahead and cut the Braves um, as well. So we're down the Tigers and the Braves. Um, The Royals... Uh, strong arguments, strong, strong arguments. I love the down home Midwestern ethos. Um, the Royals were a little bit too good, a little bit too recently. Um, and I'm not, I'm not just like crazy about Kansas city as a metro area. I have nothing against it, but, uh, it's just not a city that gets me excited. So, um, so I have cut the, uh, the Kansas city Royals. Now the Texas Rangers, this one was tough because, uh, I actually have a Rangers hat. And I have a Rangers hat that my grandpa got from a Rangers scout when I was a kid. Uh, so my grandpa was almost a pro baseball. He was a pro baseball player. He was in the Cubs system, and he met a bunch of people in baseball. And he got me some Rangers swag when I was a kid. So that one, that one is tantalizing. But again, I feel no particular connection to the culture of the Texas Rangers, to the metro area. Um, so I'm going to cut the Rangers it's, as it's well. It's hard to attach yourself to something in Texas. Dude, I'm not a Texan. That's yeah, the thing. That's, I'm yeah, not a Texan. Exactly. Like, like Texan, Texan stuff is for Texan people. It's really hard to come in as an outsider and be like, oh, yeah. And and for the most part, Texans are not the most welcoming people. I agree, man. It's kind of an insider, insular kind of culture there in Texas. So um, as much as I do like a lot of things about it, the fa- the Nolan Ryan factor, the fight – um, I do think it's a good hat. Um, it's a hat that has my first initial on it, which is is a positive. Um, I'm going to have to let the Texas Rangers go. So, Pipe, that brings us to the Mariners and the Brewers. Um, these are the two teams that I've come down to. Not surprisingly, um, they're both teams with similar color schemes. Um, they're teams with retro looks, uniform-wise, that are awesome in similar ways. Um, the Brewers, I love that culture. Um, I could see myself having a real good time at that ballpark. Um, I'm going to have to go, though, Pipe. Um, I'm going to take my talents to Seattle and sign wow. with the Seattle Mariners, um, largely because of the Kingdom factor, the Brian Bosworth factor, the Trident cap factor. This is a bigger um, upset than when Reggie White signed with the Packers. I know, man. This is this is a this is a free agency upset. This is news, and I feel a certain affinity and closeness with the city of Seattle uh, because of the grunge movement, 
because of the, the the fashion and the ethos that came out of that city, I just I just like it. Um, I like the fact that Brian Bosworth played there. Um, so there are there are reasons, man. We we all have our reasons for doing things. Um, I like the fact that their GM makes a lot of trades. I feel like that's going to be fun for me uh, from a fan standpoint. And uh, I I'm rolling with the Seattle Mariners. So. In future episodes, I'm going to be doing some research. I've got a lot to catch up on, a lot of film to watch. Um, I'm going to lock myself in the film room and just start doing the work uh, that's going to make me uh, a quality Seattle Mariners fan. So we can keep um, we can keep the listeners updated on on what that process is going to look like. So um, that is it. So thanks to everybody who recruited, who got in on the recruitment, and uh, I'm thrilled to be a Seattle Mariner. That's a, I mean, I think it's a great fit. I, I really, I, I would have put the, uh, I would have put the Brewers as the yeah. favorites, and I'm a little surprised you didn't go that route. I can see your rationale, but uh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to have uh, Ted as a fellow baseball fan. Absolutely, man. And, and let me tell you this, people of Milwaukee, city of Milwaukee, state of Wisconsin, um, I agonized over this. Okay, so it's, it's not so much. Um, you know, choosing against the uh, the Brewers as choosing for the Mariners, and it was a tough, tough. Tr- it could have easily gone the other way. So, um, hopefully, I will still be welcome in the Greater Milwaukee area. Um, all the times I pass through there, uh, I hope I hope the welcome will still be warm in Milwaukee. But I'm excited to be a, a, a Mariner, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, that being said, we've got time for one quick book recommendation. Sports books. This is tradition. Um, I feel like now that I'm a brand new baseball fan, I should go with something baseball related, and I do have something along those lines. Uh, but Piper, what's your uh, what's your book recommendation? Uh, I'm going to go amateur sports with this one, Ooh, and okay. go with uh, the book "The Miracle of Saint Anthony." Okay, it's by Adrian Wojnarowski, who's sure. uh, you know he's one of the the top NBA reporters now. But before he was that, he was just sort of an aspiring aspiring reporter. Uh, and great writer, but it's about it's about Coach Bob Hurley uh, and his team at St. Anthony in Jersey City, yes, um, New Jersey's, which is right across. It's directly across from Manhattan, yep. so you can see it. But it's it's this. It was this tiny Catholic school that was perpetually at the risk of shutting its doors, and they were recruiting kids from one of the worst urban areas, kind of in in New Jersey at the time, or really in the Northeast. And he churned out state and national champions that were beating teams from like Oak Hill Academy and these prep schools that were designed to be NBA recruiting. Yeah. And they were they were undersized. And I mean, it's one of the greatest sort of upset stories, but it's not about a season. It's about a coach who did this for decades. Yeah. Um, if the name Bob Hurley sounds familiar, it's because his son, Bobby Hurley, was a star, star point guard at Duke and I think is a coach at Arizona. Arizona. He's a, He's a coach somewhere. Has, he has a son, Dan Hurley, who is a coach at uh, maybe New Hampshire or something like that. So he's, uh-huh. he's, he's now breeding coaches or has bred coaches. Yeah. Um, and uh, But what's fascinating in reading this is that you, you both have utmost respect for this coach and you kind of hate him at the same time. Sure. Because he's one of those classic, like, borderline verbally abusive, hard-edged <laughs> coaches who gets the most out of his players. But you also see this side of, like, compassion – and going out of his way to to give guys second chances and yep. to to really rescue some players from really hard personal situations. Yeah. Um, so Miracle of St. Anthony, I'd put it as one of my top probably three to five sports books wow. uh, I've ever read. It's, Man, it's that's phenomenal. high praise. Yeah, it's so, so good. 
that's interesting. Man, I feel like a lot of people hated Bobby Hurley. Um, and I, well, I feel like a lot of people hate, like, good, small white guys. Well, they, of, of well a certain especially time. if they're from Duke. The thing about yeah. Bobby Hurley was, like, he was the anti-Duke. Like, Christian Leitner was Duke to a T. You know, sort sure, of, like, sure. privileged, snobby, really good white guy at Duke. Yeah. Bobby Hurley was, like, his family was not very well off. He played Coach's kid. Yeah, St. Anthony, right. coach's kid. Mm-hmm. Bit of a street baller. Like, he yeah. was a... You know, he was he was not Mr. Fundamental, but right. just brilliant, like super smart player and highly skilled. But yeah, he was sort of the anti Duke, kind of willing to pick a fight with anybody. Whereas you yeah. look at guys like JJ Redick or Grayson Allen or uh, I don't know yeah. uh, Greg Paulus or these other guys over the years, and you're like, yeah, they're <laughs> just pretty punchable. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go deep dive baseball. I'm going into the minor leagues. Um, this is a book that you probably read, Pipe, and if you haven't read it, you should. Um, it came out a year or two ago. It's called The Only Rule Is It Has to Work. I have, have you heard read interviews book? with those guys, but I have not read the book. Yeah, it's fascinating. So the, the premise, and to be fair, the premise is actually more fascinating than the writing. So um, the writing is not dazzling, but it was, a, it was one of those great idea books. And the idea was um, a couple of guys, a couple of stat heads um, who wrote for these baseball stat head websites – um, actually got a chance to to kind of co-GM a minor league baseball team out west. So there was a team that, that greenlit them to do all the roster work, to run the team, and they got to actually try out, um, you know, some of these statistical theories that they had in real time with a real roster with real guys. And the to me, Pipe, the fascinating thing about it was, and, and always is, just kind of this confluence of, knowledge and people stuff that happens in sports. So um, to be great at sports, you have to, you know, obviously understand how statistics work and how games are won. And, you know, uh, baseball is, is kind of the, the industry leader in that mindset. But, um, you know, you throw interpersonal stuff into it, you throw family stuff into it, you throw the fact that these guys are making peanuts and they're trying to make life decisions in the midst of, you know, trying to pursue their baseball dreams. It, it The result was a really, really interesting book about um, the theory and the practice of how games are won in a really low level of baseball. So, And I'm a sucker for minor league anything. Uh, I love minor league, minor league baseball, minor league hockey. Um, you know, just really enjoy stories about that lifestyle. So the book is, the only rule is it has to work. And uh, Piper, this has been... Uh, a great episode, man. This has been a fun conversation through the world of sports. I feel like we did um, a good job of giving love to several different sports in this app. And uh, now that I'm on board as a baseball fan, I hope uh, for more of the same in the future. And I have to tell you, though, there's there's always one bit of research that I forget to do. Um, and that is I haven't gone into this episode with a great name to sign the, to sign the show off with. Do you have any ideas? Well, now that you're a Mariners fan... I feel like I feel like we should go. Um, I feel like we should go second best Mariners hitter of all time. Ooh, okay. And a player who I was given a bobblehead of at our first live Happy Ran <laughs> event when you got no swag. Oh, um, so and far. his name is his name is Edgar Martinez. Oh, that's good. It works. And, it, and, it, and yeah, I was gonna say it has really good rhythm to it. So I think I think you should go with that name. I absolutely will. Uh, Piper, we have wandered to and fro throughout these topics. And until next time, Edgar Martinez.
The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. 